You're, you're listening to Wake Up to the Vibe. I'm Joe Altieri here with my special guest, uh, Dr. Tom Katina, a.k.a. Dr. Tom, <laughs> from what I'm understanding. <laughs> Welcome to the program. So good to see you. So good to see you. Yeah. And, Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're you're a busy man, and, and I, I totally get that. Um, as we were discussing a little bit earlier, we're just going to really catch up on life. And, and, but most importantly, Tom, I want to, I want to know, how are you doing? Like, like personally, let's start there. You look great, man. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I I'm doing pretty well. Um, gosh, I've been out here now for 12 years and, uh, I, you know, I, I think I get more energy as time goes on. Really. I think, uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I, I've had my share of, of sicknesses out here in the bush. Um, but, you know, due to due to the grace of God, I've been able to recover from it and keep keep pushing ahead. So I'm actually doing pretty well, uh, I think, physically and emotionally and all, all ways around, despite all the uh, problems we've had here. Um, I think I've come out of it pretty well. Yeah. Well, that that's good to hear because uh, it, it's great to see you smiling. And, you know, you, you sometimes you think about what what. Uh, people go through in life and you think mm-hmm. about um, you know some of the things that get us down in life in general mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. there's right. this like reality check well I have to tell you uh, I watched the documentary the heart of Nuba three times over the course of the last year um, as recently right. as two nights ago because uh, our good friend Billy Gresta connected us and and uh, right. And I said, you know what, I gotta, I'm going to watch this one more time because it's one of those things that every time you watch it, you see something different mm-hmm. or you hear something different. Um, <laughs> right. what, a, what an amazing documentary, really. Kudos to you and to uh, your producer, uh, Ken Carlson. Was it Ken Carlson? Yeah. You know, I, I, of course, I gave all the credit to Ken. He's, he's a really good filmmaker. I, like I said, like I told Ken, all I had to do was show up and do my work. You know, I didn't really have to do much of anything. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of acting involved. So Ken did all the work with splicing things together and making things fit. And I think making it, uh, making it a really good story. And um, what I told him when he first approached me about this some years ago was, I said, I really want this to be about the, about the people of the mountains because they're the ones that have suffered for generations. And uh, I, I think he really did a good job of that. So I'm, I'm really very happy with his work. He's a very, very good guy and a very good, uh, very good filmmaker. He, he did a, an outstanding job. I'm, I'm a little bit of a, of a documentary buff. Whenever I'm on Netflix, I'm usually watching a documentary of, of something or someone because I just love documentaries. And I'll tell you what, he did an amazing job at yeah. just showing the, the purity and the clarity and the, um, that's what documentary should be. It's not Hollywood. It's real life, right? And, uh, right, right, absolutely. So and there was nothing. There was nothing phony about it. I mean, it was just kind of what we do. No, I was, <laughs> was really, really well done. <laughs> no, Tom, I'm telling you, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you Tom because we're from the same hometown. I, I should be calling you. I want to call you Doctor Tom. I like that because that's what the no. people of Nuba <laughs> call you. They call you Doctor Tom, right? They do. Yes. <laughs> I, I, do. you, you have, you have, um, uh, uh an amazing family at home, it, which mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, 
everybody has a, a place they call home, right? And Amsterdam, New York, yes, uh, is our home. <clears throat> we're both. I'm in Raleigh, North right. Carolina now, so we're we're both uh, Amsterdamians. Uh, but what an amazing right. family you have out there uh, in the uh, the Nuba Mountains. Can you can you tell me a little bit about the the people in general, the culture? They seem so in love with you, man. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, they're pretty, they're pretty amazing people. They, um, they've put up with more uh, hardship and deprivation than I think anybody in the history of the world. I mean, they, and they bounce back and they're tough as nails. Um, you know, they're, I think their main characteristics are resilience, uh, toughness, the ability to put up with, with things and just keep pushing ahead. Uh, they can survive under any circumstances. You know, like all this stuff going on now with this coronavirus, it's amazing. Probably the people anywhere in the world, the people that will probably do the best if things collapse will be the people here in Nuba Mountains because they can they can survive on their own. They got no problem. Uh, they're just really, really uh, kind of salt of the earth people. Um, I mean, I, I fell in love with the people, and of course, I fell in love with my wife. So I married I married one of the Nuba uh, women here. Congratulations and, uh, to you. <clears throat> thank you. I don't know if you know it, Joe, but we just we just adopted a child. You know, we we married in um, we married May 2016. That was really uh really quite an event uh and we didn't have any kids of our own so we said look let's you know it wasn't it wasn't happening i worked uh <laughs> we weren't able to uh, we weren't able to conceive a child so we said let's let's adopt a child and that's something which is is actually never been done here before people here don't adopt kids i mean there are there are no abandoned children in Nuba mountains it just doesn't exist every kid belongs to somebody <clears throat> even if a child is born to a single mother, the family will take the kid in. Or, I mean, just, just don't have, this doesn't exist where you can adopt a kid. So my wife ended up going to Juba, which is in South Sudan, and spent a couple, couple months there at an orphanage and we, uh, ended up adopting a two-year-old child. So we've had, had him for about a month, and he's with us now. Uh, really, really beautiful little kid. Is uh, uh, We named him Francis Jean. No so kidding. Francis is, my, is for my favorite saint. St. Francis and Gene was my father. My father died last year. Oh, I'm awfully sorry, sorry to hear that. Um, I didn't know that your father had passed. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. 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 What yeah, a, and, last year. Yeah. Wow. And and that's we can actually um that's a whole nother show because your father, in my eyes, is a is a, a legendary uh figure as well. Uh yes. the, <laughs> I mean, you know, when we're gonna talk about the seven kids, there's so many things we want to talk about, but let's go back to your child. So how old was the child when you when you adopted the child? He was, he's about two years old. Nobody's, of course, nobody's quite sure of his real age. We're estimating him at about two years old, you know, just about his, you know, his speech level and his kind of physical coordination level. He's probably around two years old. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Really You're a father. Uh, You're a father, man. Yeah, that father. makes, that uh, makes me so happy. Oh my gosh. Yep. That is beautiful. Yep. First time dead at this First, age. <laughs> and, and what is your wife's name? Is it, was it Nishima? Uh, Nazima. N Nazima. Nazima. Yeah. Nazima. And yes. uh, oh my gosh, she must be so proud of you watching you do what she you do. <laughs> wow. She is. It's, you know, it's, it's hard for, it's hard for her to relate sometimes. Uh, but she, she gets it. And she really, she kind of enjoys uh, watching all this stuff. It's, it's really kind of a, it's kind of fun showing her things and talking to her about this kind of stuff. It's, she really gets a kick out of it. Her, her, her background is, totally different i mean she really grew up here in the bush 
and uh, you know went to a, it was in primary school under the tree with you know a piece of charcoal running out of stone for uh, for pencil and, and and paper. So she really lived that kind of uh, real life of hardship in the bush here. Uh, very different from from my background and you know growing up in, in amsterdam and uh, going to an ivy league college and all this kind of thing her background is so much different wow <laughs> has, we really we really get along great has she been to amsterdam at all have have i know you've made a, a few trips back has she been to amsterdam to meet the big italian yeah. family <laughs> she, she made a trip um she was out there october 2018 so we managed to get a visa for her, a, a tourist visa. Uh, it was kind of a long, long process. We, we got a tourist visa for her. And she went, and I couldn't go with her because I could not get a doctor to come and cover for me here in Nuba Mountains. Uh, so she ended up going by herself. Wow. Her first time overseas and everything else. So she made the trip. And uh, she spent <clears throat> a few days or up to a week with different uh different family members so you know a few days with this brother a few days with that brother a few days with my sister some time with my mother mother brother i mean she had a ball I, my family absolutely loved her oh well, they, they did not want to they, yeah they you want her coming back to him about well so so now i i have a, a a big smile on my face right now because i'm thinking about this and you know I, and, and you know you're one of seven children i'm actually one of seven children as well we have that in common so i know that dynamic yes. when you're sitting around the dinner table and there's you know so those seven <laughs> children branch off the like numerous nieces and nephews your wife probably got back and looked at you and said it all makes sense <laughs> yep absolutely <laughs> absolutely wow absolutely she loved it man she just she absolutely loved it she had a wonderful time with the family my family really loved having her. I mean, they had so much fun with her. She's a very, um, you know, she's a very lively person. And I think they were just so interested in her life and her background, which is just so different from ours, you know, and uh, just the challenges she faced growing up and the problems here and everything else. They really were fascinated with her. And she really enjoyed telling stories and, and telling about her life. It, it was really a wonderful time for everybody. I regret that I wasn't there with her. You know, but at the same time, I think maybe it was good because I think if he was, if she were, if I were there, she would have been a bit more shy. It wouldn't have opened up to the family as much. So maybe it's better uh, that I wasn't there and she was able to really enjoy uh, the family by herself. Yeah. And, and I think that, that that gave her the opportunity, gave your family the opportunity to really focus on her. Who Who is yeah, this absolutely. lovely lady that my, my son and my brother married my yeah. uncle right yeah. and so uh, what <laughs> a what right. a blessing man that that's just unbelievable yeah. um you know last night yeah. i'm sitting here and and i'm you know, thinking of you know what kind of questions like, to me this is this is a very important <laughs> interview because of the things you're doing and and uh, the journey that you've been on and I'm thinking, okay, there's so much I want to ask you. I want to be the hometown guy. And, you know, who's your who was your favorite high school teacher? We're going to talk about all these things you're doing to change the world. Well, let's bring this home for a minute. Who was your, because I'm going to reach oh, out man. to that teacher. I'm reaching out to that teacher to watch this interview. <laughs> I had so many great, I mean, I'm thinking back, you know, uh, Mr. Zeno in biology in 10th grade was awesome. Uh, Joel Brunetto was a physics teacher. Uh, was fantastic. Had him senior year. Um, uh, Mr. Rose Marino, who was uh, my ninth grade um, 
uh, algebra teacher. He was fantastic. Of course, Coach DeRico and Coach Cudmore, uh, my football coaches, were were great influences uh, on me. Uh, Doc Anninger, who taught psychology. <laughs> I don't know if Doc Anninger was there when you were there. He was. Your brother will remember. <laughs> yeah, no, he uh, was. <laughs> I put it. What a classic guy! Yeah, uh, Barry Dykesler, social studies teacher, was a was a, was a, was a very good teacher. Um, gosh, everybody, Leah Chinnick, Mrs. Quattrini, fantastic. They were all, you know, you know, when you think back, Sam Sam's a public high school in an area that's not very wealthy, and I think we got a pretty darn good education there. If you look at people that have graduated from Amsterdam High School and have gone on to do other things, it's amazing what they were able to do at a public high school in a kind of a economically depressed area. Uh, I think the teachers in the school system did a fantastic job. I think back in that now, and I think really these guys did pretty well yeah. uh, with, with what they have available. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of really, really good teachers and uh, teachers and coaches uh, coming up through, uh, through HS for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that you just brought me back. I mean, you were mentioning Mr. Rose Marino. I mean, <laughs> uh, that, uh, that guy loved me. Like, <laughs> like every, yeah, you know, Mrs. Katrini, awesome. I, was, I was best friends with Jay, God rest his soul. And, you know, they wanted to right. like murder me when I came into the classroom, like Altieri, because I was always kind of like, you know, I was a teacher's pet in some way, but, but Mr. Rose Marino, man, that guy was just a class act. I love that guy. Yeah. Thank, thank you for bringing teacher. me back. Um, now, now, you know, it's funny. I'm going to jump because I'm all over the board. Those that watch my show know that's who I am. I'm going to go from high school to Time Magazine giving you an award of one of the top 100 most influential people in the world. I mean, <laughs> what are you doing when you get that phone call? <laughs> what, what were you doing? Well, when I, you, you know, <laughs> I can't remember how I found out. I think it must have been through an email or something. Because I, 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 my father used to send me Time Magazine, you know? And so I got this, I'll get these issues. And I got this, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They got the wrong Tom Katina. I'm, no. I think I'm, I'm the doc here in the bush, you know? Yeah. I mean, we, when you're here, like this place, we're so remote and isolated. You know, we're really kind of out really in the middle of nowhere. And this thing comes in from, you know, New York City, wherever, and, like, you're invited to this big gala ball event. And it lists all, all the people that were going to be there. <clears throat> I mean, like, what the heck? <laughs> it was really quite a shock. I mean, it was really, it was fun. I mean, to be honest with you, it was really kind of fun to be on this list. But I was really, really surprised, to be honest with you. Because, like, I, I walk out of here, I look around, I'm like, what the heck? I mean, I'm here in the middle of the bush. But these guys think I'm what I'm doing here is, is something. But... It was it was really a very it was a very nice surprise. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was yeah. really something. Well, con <laughs> congratulations and also on the uh, the Aurora Prize because that th those two separate things. The the Aurora, yes. Aurora Prize for Awakening Humanity, correct? Yes. Yes, yeah. that's right, Joe. You know, listen, the, the, our kids are running around getting trophies for for winning the little league game, and you have no idea. And you're a man of many trophies. I mean, you went off and you played football at college and stuff. There was not a single person on this earth who, you know, they might have said, Tom Katina, he's going to do things. That guy's going to be something someday. But who could have dreamt the magnitude yeah. of, of, you know, the, the top 100 most influential people in the world? 100 out of all the people in the yeah. world. Like, kudos to you, man. That, that's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to refer to a few things here uh, that that I picked up in the in the Heart of Nuba documentary 
and for those of you who are just tuning into the show, that is a documentary. I'm going to provide you with links and all the good stuff uh, to make sure that you watch it. Uh, but The Heart of Nuba is a documentary produced by Ken Carlson uh, featuring uh, uh, Tom Katina and his life in the Nuba Mountains. I just had to do that recap for those that just logged in and, and are watching. Um, you said something, and it brought me back, and, and I immediately thought of Dr. Pipito and Dr. Bertucci, okay? The, the community yeah. doctor, the general practice, you, you go to them for the toothache and, or, or if you, you, know, you mm -hmm. sprained your ankle. Uh, but what you said is that you always thought you were going to be staying in one place and a part of a community, correct? Yes, absolutely, yeah. And here you are, yeah. staying in one place, part of a community, but Tom, did you ever imagine that would be the community you'd be you'd be a, a, a citizen of and a part of? And No, I, I didn't, I mean, I, I figured more, you know, maybe in suburban the U.S. or maybe maybe a rural place in the U.S. with the nice house and the white picket fence. That's that's what I, I had more of an idea of when right. I was going through medical school, uh, or when I was kind of growing up and then going through medical school. I didn't have this in mind, but that's the way it turned out. You know, incidentally, you know, Dr. Pepito was my great uncle. Was my great uncle? He's been dead since the '92, but he oh, was, was my grandmother's brother. Oh, no kidding! No kidding! Yep, yep. Fiore Pipito, he's an Italian immigrant and yeah. was a doc in World War II, then set up a shingle in Amsterdam. And I, mean, I, I always, I always admired that that he would do kind of everything. We just kind of show up in his office. He would take all comers. I mean, it was kind of an amazing way to practice medicine. Unfortunately, that that way of life is gone in the U.S. That's what we do here. Right. Uh, but I really always uh, kind of treasured that. Sure. And always kind of saw that as an ideal. Yeah, Doc, yeah, Doc Pipitol, he uh, he delivered every single one of us Altieri's, and my right. father loved him so much, okay? And all I remember yeah. is, because he likes cigars, <laughs> I always remember that about Doc yes, Pipitol, yeah. and my dad actually painted a picture of him, and we had it on our living wall, like, like who has a picture, a painted <laughs> picture of Doc Pipitol on their living room wall? That's how much we love that man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that joke. that's pretty cool. So so now you're a yeah. part of this community um, and you get up every morning. And the one thing that really touched my heart is watching you do the rosary. That that to me is uh, yeah. and we're going to talk about faith and we're going to talk about the Lord because I've, I've got some some uh, questions for a guy like you uh, who's truly <laughs> serving in the name of God. Um but every morning, every morning, you, you say that rosary. Yeah, every morning. So I, I get up and, and what I do is on the way, now I go with my wife. <clears throat> before, we, before we married, of course, I go by myself, but <clears throat> let me say the rosary on the way to the church. The church is like a, you know, 10 minute walk. So start on the way to church and then enter the church and then finish off the rosary there. Then we have, uh, we have mass every day. We're, we've been very fortunate since I got here 12 years ago, we've almost always had a priest here. And right now we have a very good priest who's a, a South Sudanese guy. Uh, and he has mass every day for us at 6.30 in the morning. So we say the rosary from about 6 to 6.30, then start the mass at 6.30. And then uh, that goes to about 7 o'clock and then come back and start the day. So, you know, I think for me, I, 
I think everybody's a little bit different, but I've got to have some some way to kind of center me in the morning and kind of draw me back. It's okay. Why am I here? What am I doing? What's the most important thing in my life? You know, am I here to to honor myself and to kind of do my own thing, or am I here to worship God and to to keep God number one? And I think I need me personally. I need that daily uh, that daily reminder. I need to hear the word of God every day. I need to say the rosary to pray to our mother, uh, uh, to, to give strength and support and help through all these, uh, difficult times. Uh, I think I'd be lost without that, Joe. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's, that's why I wanted to bring that up because, um, mm-hmm. I'm a man of faith and, and I, I do my very best, uh, every day that I can. Uh, and one of the, one of the things I, I, tell my son or, or anybody who's maybe struggling with something is one of the strongest assets a person can have is their belief in God. I truly believe that mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me if somebody's watching the show and, and they don't share the same belief. I'm okay with that. Uh, but right. that is the strongest asset. And the reason I bring that up with you, Tom, is because <clears throat> you don't have the material assets that, People in the, I don't know if I want to say regular world, but, you know, people in the States, mm-hmm. let's just say I'll refer to the United States, okay? Right. Uh, they'd have to watch the documentary to really understand the conditions and really see the lifestyle that you're living. You have sacrificed right. all those assets, but yet you have one of the greatest assets any person can have, and that is a strong belief in God. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, I would trade what I do here uh, for anything, and I certainly wouldn't trade my my faith, which I I take as a huge gift. Uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything, and uh, I mean, God keep me strong in that uh, for the rest of my days. It's a tremendous gift, and I I I can't imagine how people can. It can make it without that. I mean, people do obviously, and people do very well, and they're very good people who don't have faith. But well, I just think it's got to be awfully, awfully tough. I mean, I, I take such uh, consolation, um, such consolation in that, especially when things go bad here, or there are problems, or we have bad patient outcomes, or whatever. All this stuff is inevitable. It's just something to fall back on. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think it's something that keeps that keeps a person grounded because I think that everything is just so life in the world that everything can be so random and so chaotic uh, that without that grounding, I just, I just find it very difficult. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not doing this to to put a plug in for Jesus, but I mean, there are tremendous uh, health, uh, both physical and psychological benefits for people of faith. I mean, that's been, that's been studied and proven over and over again. If you go from, both rates of people staying in marriages and uh, psychological well-being. Um, people that really do have a strong faith always fare much better. And I think it's just because they have something that they they put their their trust and their belief in in a, in a higher power. They put their trust. They put their trust in God. It's okay. I'm not the end all and the be all. And this life we're living here on Earth also is not the end of it. I mean, let's do our best here, but in the end, we're here to worship God and to eventually to meet our maker. Yeah. Very well said, very well said. And, and I, I'm on board with you 100%. You know, one of the things that I, when I'm watching this documentary and if somebody said to me, how would you describe, um, Dr. Tom, 
And the, the one word, man, that, that just kept coming back to me. And this is what I'm thinking when I'm watching this documentary is like, this isn't something every person does. Okay. <laughs> like, like you have really gone to the extreme end of the world to serve. And that is amazing to me. Um, but the one word that Jeep keeps coming back to me is commitment. Like, man, you are yeah. committed. Where does that come from? Yeah. You know, I, man, I don't know. I think, um, I think I'm not, you know, I'm not the best doc in the world. I'm sure not, I'm sure not the smartest, but I do have, I think one gift God has given me is perseverance and perseverance and commitment to kind of go hand in hand. I think a lot of that came from, from my upbringing. I mean, uh, basic Catholic upbringing in Amsterdam, New York, you know, you're committed to a work, committed to a task from a very strong family background. I think playing sports, you know, people can trivialize sports and say, well, sports are just entertainment and it's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of nothing, but <clears throat> I'm a pretty big believer in the, in the benefits of playing organized sports. I think that really instills in somebody a sense of commitment and a sense of working together uh, as a team, working together to achieve a common purpose. I mean, it's all for fun games, but I think these are lessons you learn, you know, it's kind of becomes part of your, uh, uh, becomes part of who you are and it gets hardwired into you. Right. So I think it's a combination of all these things. It's the family background, participation in sports. I think maybe my time, my time in the military has something to do with it. I spent five years in the Navy. Um, and certainly, I mean, above and beyond everything, of course, is my faith, which really gives us pretty clear directives that, you know, <clears throat> you <clears throat> have to go and take care of the least of my brothers and sisters. It's not kind of, well, if you feel like it, or if you're in a good mood that day, or you have enough energy, go and do it. It's like, this is your, this is your command, you know, right? go and do it. <laughs> you, you have such <laughs> I a- I said many times before, Okay, Joe, sorry. No, 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 no. I interrupted you. Uh, continue. Well, all, all I want to say is my one of my favorite uh, passages in the Bible. I can't remember where it's from, but it's, it's in the Gospels. But it talks about a rich young man that goes to Jesus. And so the man tried to justify himself. And uh, the guy says, hey, look, what do I need to do to, you know, to be good and to go to heaven? And Jesus says, well, you know, follow the Ten Commandments. And... Uh, you know, be a good person and do the Ten Commandments and you'll be okay. And I said, well, what do I really need to do to be perfect? Because the guy knew there was something missing, you know, in his life. Right. And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, then go sell everything you have, give that to the poor and come and follow me. And it said the guy went away very sad because he had too much. And that thing really, really hits home with me. Where I think Jesus is really calling us to come out of ourselves, you know, and it's not that what I'm doing is is better than somebody else or that, you know, not, I don't want to compare myself to other people and what I'm doing. I think he calls each of us in what we're doing, our station in life. You know, for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bush doctor here in Sudan. You know, we don't need everybody to be here in Sudan doing this work. Right. We need one guy to do it. But, you know, Joe, you're there in Raleigh, North Carolina on a radio show and playing guitar and other things. Right. You've got your role in life. But that that is not in the eyes of God. What you can do is not any better or worse than what I'm doing. We're all going to die and we're going to face God and he's going to question us and say, look, I gave you this ability. I gave you this brain. 
I gave you this family. What'd you do with it? I said, well, crap, what do I say now? You know, yeah. <laughs> you got to come up with something pretty good. Yeah. He knows, of course, what we did, but we're all from different backgrounds. But I think based on our station in life, we are really called to a very deep uh, conversion and really, I think, called a very deep sacrifice. I don't think that, I don't think that it's, I think the Church of Nice, and I've been reading uh, quite about quite a bit about this recently because I think this coronavirus is, I think it's shaking people up and um people I think are looking at reality like, well, crap, what's this mean? Like the economy goes under and and it's it's really I think shaking people up. <clears throat> and it's really kind of it's kind of like, well, gosh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen now? So maybe I'm not saying God is sending this to us, but I think we all have to I think reach a point where you say, what is God calling me to do, me right. and my station in life. For me, I'm here, and this is kind of, I'm all in. Yeah. This is what I feel I'm, I'm really called to do, and I want to kind of jump in with both feet. But I think each of us has to look at that uh, in his or her individual situations. <clears throat> I'm not saying everybody's got to become poor, but, you know, I, I think you got to kind of find that out for yourself. as between you and God. Really look at it seriously and say, okay, what what can I do in my in my place? Yeah, you the know, danger is you. <clears throat> one of one of the things that that comes to mind right now is uh, I was I was sitting in church one morning, and um, I was going to a non denominational uh, church which really followed Bible study uh, is is the nature. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to give you a picture of of what the church was like, and um, uh, Pastor Scott Baldwin was talking about you know God gives us all gifts. And he gives you that gift for a reason, whether it's your gift of administration, whether it's, it's your, your gift of caring, whatever your gift is, are you using right. your gift to, to, to better mankind and better humanity? Right. And I remember sitting there right. and here I am playing guitar in a bar, I think probably got home three in the morning that night. You know, I probably smelled like bourbon, you know, and, and I'm sitting there and, and I wanted to start crying because I'm like, am I using my gift to better mankind? And I joined the church band two weeks later and I served on the worship team for seven years because awesome. Oh, it was, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget it. I, I'm sharing this with you because this is not a traditional interview. You and I are catching up on life and, and, and sharing it with others basically. And I'll never right, forget it because right. I went to the first rehearsal and the worship team were, uh, they were people who were worshiping on a, on a regular basis. They were there. They were a part of the band. I'm the new guy. Right. And, right. and I'll never forget the pastor came up to me at practice and said, um, I have a funny feeling there was a much better solo in there than what you just did. He could tell I was afraid to let it out. And I said, listen, this is right. the first time I played where they weren't in the parking lot doing other things and drinking jello shots. Like, <laughs> like this is not easy for me. And I just absolutely fell in love. I knew that he'd get a laugh out of that, but I fell in love with right. the, the music. But the, the point of that story is, and for those who are watching and those who are listening, just really think about what your gift is. Part of this show was yeah. founded on the fact that I'm not afraid of the microphone. I'm not afraid to get on here. And and maybe we could bring some smiles and laughter into the homes when we are all struggling. And then when I, I'm not kidding, Tom, I said this this morning when I was saying my prayers, that had it not been for this coronavirus, I wouldn't have started up this talk show in the morning. I wouldn't be talking to you. We wouldn't be talking about the, the strength and uh, that God gives us. Like, 
Like there are no coincidences. This is all uh, right. come together. And you are 100% right. This virus has brought the world together as, as in unity within the country to country to country, but also sit down right. and evaluate your life and say, what's important to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think really this should be, I mean, I hope people could take this time to, to really reflect and, and really look at what is important, you know, family and relationships, your time with God, your relationship with God. Uh, and I mean, I, obviously I have people who are not religious, uh, but fine. I mean, evaluate your own life and your relationships with your own people and your own and your, and your family members. They just think, <laughs> think about things beyond this world uh maybe this will be your 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 chance to uh to think about eternity and, and what what's in store for us um I, I mean that in a very good way not in a morbid way right uh, because i think we have great things in store for us and uh i would i would i would hate for people to lose out on that and to go through life um thinking there's nothing beyond this uh, this world which is uh, you know is often so troubled well, there's just I think so much more to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you speak uh, very eloquently, and um, you you have had one interesting journey. Have you ever published a book, or are you working on a book? I hope you're working on a book. I know you're one doctor out of a million people, but. <laughs> I'll tell you, I I I I'm not. I've written um. What is it now? I've written some short chapters for 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 a couple of small books. I really, really would like to write a book. And I've talked to, I've had, um, well, I've had one guy uh, who I think is a publisher uh, contact me, and they they can help me do it. That's kind of thing. I just haven't I haven't latched onto it. I would love to sit down and just kind of collect my thoughts and put it all down into words. You know, both my experiences here. Um, my thought process going through a lot of a lot of a lot of these times, uh, thoughts about faith and about life and the world and everything else. I would really, really like to do that someday. Yeah. And uh, I keep thinking, well, let me just get started and just write a page. Just start with one page, That's right? <laughs> and then just you know, <clears throat> every week do something. Um, my wife is my wife is talking about writing a book. She started. Actually, she did some writing today. <laughs> she's got a few pages down. She decided um, to do that when she got on the plane when she was leaving Amsterdam. <laughs> she said, "I'm going to write right. a book." That's right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, oh, this crazy family. <laughs> you, you know what I was thinking about uh, in the in the document. I I don't mean to keep referring back to the documentary, but you know you've been gone for so many years. I haven't seen you since high school. And the documentary yep. really is is uh, a great way for people to understand this, and it really was an eye opener for me. But when you were talking with the folks with leprosy, okay, and yeah. you were explaining yes. to them the importance of touch, or you were explaining to yes. uh, Ken Carlson, the producers and the crew, that these people need to be touched. People need human touch, right? Yeah. And Absolutely. it just, yeah. it, you know what, you know what, I sat there and go, this guy is sitting here talking about the importance of touch and we're social distancing where they don't want you to be six right. feet, six feet from your family. Like, wow. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's a nightmare. 
it's just crazy. I mean, what would you say to the to the medical professionals and the doctors and the nurses and those on the front line uh, who are trying to save lives and afraid of their own life of catching this virus? I mean, uh, coming from a doctor like you in the Nuba Mountains yeah. in, in the Sudan, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think Corona puts. Uh puts a new twist on things. I think in that case, for your own, unfortunately, for your own safety, you gotta be much more careful. I think you can do it safely if you have a mask and protection on and you just wanna just, you know, touch somebody like that. But I think I think the social distancing and these other things, I do think those measures are, are necessary, both to protect the health professionals and the patients. Hopefully, this thing will will go away. Hopefully, we'll we'll be able to suppress it, get a vaccine, and get to the point where we can do away these measures and open open things up again. Because really, really, we are you know uh, human beings are social. We're social animals, and we need contact with other people, even even loners. You know, you need contact with people. You need to touch. You need to feel. You need to feel some kind of a connection with people. The if you look at at um, the, the West, this is the US and Western Europe, there's an epidemic, this epidemic of loneliness. And uh, this is from lack of, of contact with people. Um, people lack, lack intimacy with others. And this leads, has led to this epidemic of loneliness. And I think this is probably the major factor with what they call, um, they call it the deaths or disease of desperation. So these are suicides, um, opioid overdose, alcoholic uh, alcoholism, and death from alcoholism, all these terrible um, kind of social ills, and that's what we're seeing. I think the root cause of that is uh, is a profound loneliness and the inability to, to connect with others. Um, I think this is a this is a major disease in the Western world. Here in Nuba, we don't have that. You can't get away from people. I mean, my wife and I, we've got our adopted child, and we've got. Uh, her three nieces and her brother stand with us. Her mother, actually, her mother, my wife's mother, um, is a leprosy patient. <laughs> She's missing all of her fingers. She stays with us. No so kidding. We all these people staying with us. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for leprosy for me is kind of a very personal thing. And here, that idea, you don't have material goods in the Nuba Mountains. <clears throat> people materially have nothing. I mean, they've got, you know, very almost nothing materially. We all live in straw huts and everything else. But people have relationships, and there are, there are people all over the place. You always feel connected to the extended family and to your neighbors and everybody else. So you just don't have these uh, these diseases and these deaths of despair. You just don't have it. You don't. Right. You don't have suicide and, and so much depression and so much psychiatric illness. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like that kind of helps that helps people out. I'm not saying that you would eliminate it totally, um, but I think these are are such tragedies and uh, that I'm on this topic, but um, it's an, it's an interesting comparison with people. Yeah, but it's an interesting <laughs> yeah. comparison, right? I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. uh, and that's you know that's what hit me when I was watching the the documentary the other night. I said, "Wow, this is really interesting." And and yeah. uh, you know, and, and thank you for your your explanation on that. And and yeah, loneliness is a uh, is is hard to deal with, you know. And so then you know, then I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm living in North Carolina. My son was supposed to come here for ten days from Easter, and I'm feeling sorry for myself because we had to cancel his flight what's the longest you've gone without seeing your family? I mean, it's not like you can just get on a plane and, and go to Sudan. Oh, right? yeah. 
What's what's the longest stretch of time yeah, you've gone? You know, with it? it was almost. Oh, I think it was almost three years. Wow. Uh, one stretch when I was here, and then I was home in 2010. Yes, because I was home in 2010. And then came back, and then the war broke out here, and I couldn't, I couldn't get out. I barely left the hospital compound, and then I didn't get out till 2013. And that's, uh, yeah, it was, it was three years, a three-year stretch, and uh, before I saw anybody, uh, so that was, that was, that was hard. But oh my god, my family's been incredibly supportive, incredibly supportive of all of the work we do here and yeah. everything. They've been fantastic through all this. You know, yeah. you know, the one thing that I think it's really important for our viewers and, and for myself to, uh, to know, uh, the documentary, what, what year was that produced? That was only a couple of years ago, right? Uh, 2016, it came out. Okay. 2016. So, so it's been four years. Yeah. Where are things today? Yeah. I mean, is it still the same conditions? Have, have things lightened up? Are you still dodging, uh, bombs and, and kids are still ducking down in, in, in the, uh, the, the holes in the ground. I mean, that, that just blows my mind and I encourage everybody to watch this documentary, but is that the condition today? Yeah. It's better. Things are better. Uh, we're in a ceasefire now. Actually, the dictator, Omar, Omar Hassan al-Bashir, who was the the leader of Sudan for 30-some years, he was just deposed in a coup about a year ago. <clears throat> so he's out. And there's a new government in place now in the north. And it's kind of a transitional government. It's half military, half civilian. A lot of the same people are still there. And we're still not at peace. But we're not shooting each other right now. Right. So we're in a ceasefire. They're uh, undergoing negotiations to try to really get a real peace for this part of the world because <clears throat> I mean, we've been, Sudan's been in civil war. Sudan got independence January 1st, 1956. And there have been, I think, since that time, that's uh, 64 <clears throat> years ago, there have been about, I think, 11 years of peace of not active fighting in that 64-year history. So the vast majority of the history of the Republic of Sudan, they've been in civil war. So, <clears throat> you know, what, what the negotiations now are saying, look, we've got a, a very checkered past. Let's try to make a real peace where the people here feel they're getting a fair shake, where they feel they're not being marginalized and kind of pushed to the edges, where they feel they, they have an active role in the, in the society and the life of Sudan. And we go ahead. So I think that's why uh, it's it's been kind of a long haul with the peace negotiations. They're yeah. they've stalled right now, uh, but we really hope that they can really make a, a really solid agreement, and people here can finally live in peace. What can what what can we do? <clears throat> Not just from our hometown of Amsterdam, New York, but as a country. <laughs> um, what can we do for you personally and your wife and, and child? What can we do for um, those you're taking care of in the Nuba Mountains? I mean, really, what do you need from us? Well, I, you know, I don't mean to sound, sound crass, Joe, but, you know, we, we right now, we run the hospital. We have been for the past uh, two and a half years fully on private donations. So these are private individuals who write a check to uh, our, our main um, – we got a few main uh, partners. Our main one is called Af African Mission Healthcare. And these are private individuals, individuals that write uh, a check or send money to African Mission Healthcare. They send the money to us. And we use that for everything, for 
paying the staff. We have 230 staff that we have to pay, <clears throat> we, do, we give salaries for, buying drugs, supplies, uh, equipment for the lab, laboratory reagents, uh, batteries for the solar, uh, we, we're all in solar power, everything comes through private individuals. So people feel uh, called to do that. <clears throat> we're very happy to receive their donations. And we, we have most of it go through African Mission Healthcare. We actually had a campaign started, a fundraising campaign called Nuba2020.com. Okay. Nuba, N-U-B-A, Nuba2020.com. I think that site is still active. And I still will go back to the U.S. at some point. I was supposed to actually be in the U.S. now doing a fundraising campaign. That got, obviously, uh, went by the wayside because of corona. Uh, but still, I think once, uh, we hope to do it maybe a year from now uh, to get this campaign going because... Uh, that's how we, we keep um, keep the hospital open. Right, right. So getting through Nuba2020.com or uh, Ken Carlson has the Take Heart Foundation through Heart of Nuba. And, I mean, the good thing is all that money you send to these guys ends up with us. Like nothing is taken out. Right. Uh, African Mission Healthcare was started by an American missionary doctor. He doesn't take out a dime for administrative costs. Ken Carlson, who's a filmmaker, started this foundation to help us out. He takes out nothing for himself. He sends all the money on to, to us here. Wow. So it's a very tangible way to help. Yeah, yeah. I think in terms of, you know, at a government level, they said just they just have to keep uh, the government in, in Khartoum and, and maybe even the rebel leaders keep their feet to the fire to try to make this peace go ahead. It's, it's a very complicated problem. And, you know, it's something you can't really trivialize, but uh, I think government's, government's role is one of just trying to keep, you know, keep the people, keep pressure on the on the two opposing sides to see if they can find common ground. Yeah. And for the sake of the people and the future here, see things go ahead. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'll definitely post the links and, and do whatever I can to uh, help channel people <clears throat> in that direction. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely keeping you in our prayers, you, your family, yes. um, the people of the Nuba Mountains, uh, God has blessed you. I think they got the right man on the job. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've watched well, you in action. Joe. What's that say that again? And I know that uh, I said I've been blessed abundantly with many things in this life. And I really, you know, we talk about prayer and sometimes people say, oh, we'll pray for you. And, you know, people can be skeptical. Say, oh, what is, what's the sense of that? I'm telling you, when you're in a situation where you're really under a lot of stress and duress, you feel that power of people's prayers. I, mean, I can't tell how many times we're under attack here or whatever, and we got through it, you know, and things go ahead, or we get 100 people show up, 100 wounded show up in a night, and we get through everybody, and we get, you know, patients make it through, and we see people recover that we thought would never recover. Yeah. And then people write to me and say, Tom, we're praying for you, we're praying for you. You feel it, and you know, that you got through that night because of those people's prayers, because I know my limitations. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I know we got through that night because people were out there thinking of us and praying for us. So I'm a very, very strong believer in the power of prayer. So yeah. thank you for that too. Yes, so it's the least we can do. Um, hey, listen, yeah. I can't thank you enough. Uh, you and I, I wanna be respectful of your time. Um, we There's so many things we can talk about. It was, it was, you're an amazing individual and um, 
I'm, I am grateful to have had this opportunity to uh, uh, speak with you, to share the broadcast with our mm-hmm. viewers, um, because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't go away. It'll stay online. It'll stay on Facebook and YouTube forever uh, until somebody, um, I don't know, it'll stay forever. I don't see it ever coming down. So um, but we're here for you. If you ever have a message you want to get out, if you ever want to just touch base with the with the folks back home as a community, please reach out to me. Uh, we, we've got a lot of people from the awesome. area. It's so funny. I joke. I say I'm in North Carolina connecting people to Amsterdam. I love this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know what That's I mean? But, you know, but after, after speaking with you and after watching the heart of Nuba um, for the third time the other night, and I'm not kidding. I watch it three times. Cause I'm just, I'm in awe by it. And I really, I'm going to put the links up to the documentary. I'm going to share it. I'm going to push it um, because it's the only way for people to truly understand this. Ken did a, an amazing job producing that documentary. And it is the only way to get a clear picture of, of um, what's going on and uh, what you're dealing with. And you know what? God bless you for keeping that smile on your face, man. You're looking good. I I, I feel good. <laughs> I'm gonna so. I'm gonna send out a couple couple emails to uh to uh, Felix and, and Cor and Lori. I, I used to work with your sister in law Lori and and uh, just your whole family, just great people. And right. um, <laughs> they are. You got a special seat up there in heaven, brother. And I hope you reserve well, it. Yeah. I hope you reserve a chair for me if you go before me. But if I go before you, you, you I'm going to have a talk with them and say, hey, <laughs> what about this guy? <laughs> Listen, thanks, thanks for the plug, Joe. Appreciate it. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Listen, thank you for uh, taking the time. I'm going to let you go. Is there anything you want to put out there? Any last thoughts or anything before we we close the uh, the broadcast? No, I just encourage people to keep the faith and, uh, you know, don't get discouraged. This, I think this is a really, really hard time for people uh, in, all over the world. I mean, especially, I think, in the U.S. and in Western Europe. And I think it's, I think a lot of people are not used to, uh, not used to hardship and kind of these difficulties. Just, just persevere. Uh, stick it out. Take advantage of this time uh, to get yourself right with God and, uh, and good good fruits will come of it don't don't worry don't don't worry about about things uh god is god is in charge and god is with us so just take comfort in that i think that's the main thing very well said thank you dr tom i really appreciate your time (laughs) i'm gonna let you go i'm gonna close things up here and uh, i'm gonna be talking to you again i'm sure i feel it okay stay stay safe time too You got it. God bless. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. God bless you too. All right. Bye-bye.